Well, if you weren't here last Sunday, um, we talked about being shallow fighters. And uh, I want to just invite you to pull out the message notes if you'd like to use those and follow along. Um, and I want to just tell you right off the bat what we talked about last week, just by way of review. We saw that God's calling us to join him and be a church of shallow fighters. God's calling us to join him. This isn't our idea. This, we didn't make this up. God's calling us to join him, something he's already at work doing in many lives, and to be a church of shallow fighters. Now, if you haven't read this lately, this banner up here on the left, this white one, do you mind reading it with me? It's something that we often refer to. We believe God is calling us as a church to declare war on shallow Christianity, beginning with ourselves. We saw that what he wants us to learn how to do is not just be Sunday-only followers of Christ, but people who follow him every day, every hour, with him. And that one of the ways that we fight this shallowness in ourselves is in three different ways, as we keep learning to do these three things. Would you read this other white banner with me? Love the Lord, love one another, and serve the world. Not just here, but in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces. With our time, our money, our body, our relationships, we're learning how it's to be all done with him and flow out of that love that he first showed us in Christ. That's why we respond like this. But all of us, we talked last week about the fact that all of us still fight shallow, even if we're followers of Christ, don't we? And so here's the second thing we saw last week is that shallow fighters, if you're following along, make room for, this is terrible English, shallow fighters make room for to be rooted in God's word. I kind of wanted to give that idea, both making room for in order to be rooted in God's word. Now we saw last Sunday in Mark chapter 4, Jesus told a parable of how people, there's four different kinds of people that have responses that when he sends his word our way. And when it comes our way, it's like a seed. And what kind of soil is our hearts? And the reason we studied that parable is because that's the only time in the New Testament that Jesus uses this word, shallow. And he talks about how, just like in the Middle East, there is this thick limestone bedrock that's often covered with just a thin layer of soil, but you can't tell that easily when you're just looking at the surface, so that when some of the seed falls there, it just gives a little room for the seed, and as soon as the sun comes out, or as soon as tough times come on that plant, it withers and falls away. And we saw that, again, some people, they respond at first gladly to what God has to say. But Jesus says, but as soon as trouble and persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And so we want to be people that are learning how to fight that kind of shallow in our lives. We want to make more room for the Lord's word. And uh, we talked last week about the fact that you know, God wants us to be rooted in his word, and therefore, are we a church that really is giving God his place? Are we giving primary place to what he says in the Bible? And uh, I talked about the fact that while I was on sabbatical, in a Dublin, Ireland airport, I had this strong sense, this strong impression that God wants us to get ready to prepare for times of testing. And that the only way we're going to be rooted, grounded, if those times come, 
is through knowing his word and through trusting him and letting his word become more a part of our lives. So here's what's going to happen today. In a little bit, six people are going to walk out on the stage and they're going to read all 83 verses of 2 Timothy as we start this series. This is how we want to introduce this series. We want to hear the entire letter. That's what it originally was. It was a letter. And so we're going to hear that, and I'm going to invite you. I'll give you some instructions in a little bit. But before we do that, here's two things we want to do. First, we want to give some very basic background on 2 Timothy so that as you're listening, you'll feel like you have the context a little better. You'll feel like maybe you have a little better idea going in. And then second, I want to show how this letter is a great letter for preparing for times of testing should they come. And uh, some people ask, you know, why aren't we studying 1 Timothy? I mean, like we're doing this out of order. And uh, 1 Timothy is a great letter that Paul wrote to Timothy about how churches should be led and organized, and we'll probably study that in the future. But for this season, we're studying 2 Timothy because of the way it helps us prepare for times of testing. So if you would, I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy if you brought one. And if you didn't bring one, we always have ones hopefully in the seat rack, except for those in the front row. We have ones in the seat rack, hopefully in front of you, the black Bibles. And if you want to open those up, you can turn to page 832. Now 2 Timothy is in near the back of the Bible. So again, it's some of the last few books of the Bible. So First and Second Timothy, Titus and Philemon, those are some of the books that we're trying to get used to as we turn in our Bibles. But page 832 in the Black Bible. Now keep your Bible open because we're going to actually talk about more than just these first two verses. But let's do this. Before we actually look at that, I want you to see the title of the series, which is called Endure. And I want you to read this series sentence that's listed in that first gray box with me. Would you read it out loud? When times of testing come, we must be ready to endure with Christ. Let's read it one more time. When times of testing come, we must be ready to endure with Christ. So now, if you would, um, you'll notice that I've listed the first part of 2 Timothy 1 and 2 in that second gray box, and there's more to it than that, but I'll read it after we read that first part together. So would you join me? Let's read God's word, full voice. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son. And then he gives this threefold blessing that is both a promise and a prayer. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, do you notice who wrote this letter? If you're following along, it's written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul writes to a younger pastor named Timothy. The Apostle Paul writes to a younger pastor named Timothy. Now, there's a lot I could tell you, and we're going to actually unpack this a lot more, but here's what you need to know. At this point, Paul, a former persecutor of the church. He actually saw to it that people were killed if they trusted Christ. His life had been changed on a Damascus road, and now for 30 years, he had been a missionary, a church planner all over the known world at that time, and here he was now in his 60s, and he's writing to a younger man who's in his 30s, who had probably known Paul for about 15 years, they met on Paul's first missionary journey when Paul came to a town called Lystra, which is where Timothy had grown up. And evidently, through Paul's 
preaching the message of Jesus Christ and the gospel, his grandmother and his mother and he, evidently not his father, had come to trust Christ. And in the second and third missionary journey, Timothy traveled with Paul. They had been through a lot together. So the second thing I want you to see is that Paul sends the letter to Ephesus from a Roman prison. Paul sends the letter to Ephesus. I've actually listed out to the right there some ways we know that it probably, Timothy is probably still at the church in Ephesus that Paul had helped plant. And so what he did is he said, you're my younger associate. I want you to go and be a shepherd, oversee that church and make sure that it's well led. And I know there'll be challenges with that and that's why he wrote 1 Timothy. But now 2 Timothy, things are completely different. In 1 Timothy, Paul was actually traveling and he was preaching and he was building up the churches. He was free. He was out of prison. But in this second letter, he is in prison. Now let me just give a little background. John Stott puts it this way. Paul describes himself as our Lord's prisoner, chapter 1, verse 8. And this was his second Roman imprisonment. He was not now enjoying the comparative freedom and comfort of his own hired house in which Luke takes leave of him at the end of Acts. Some of you know that in Acts 28, he's under house arrest in Rome. But notice this. It seems that he has been set free as he expected after that first imprisonment. Now, instead, he was incarcerated in some dismal underground dungeon with a hole in the ceiling for light and air. And perhaps it was the Mamertine prison, as tradition says. But wherever he was, a man named Onesiphorus succeeded in finding him only after a painstaking search. Chapter 1, verse 17. He was certainly in chains, wearing fetters like a criminal. Chapter 2, verse 9. He was also suffering acutely from the loneliness, the boredom, and the cold of prison life. The preliminary hearing of his case had already taken place, and now he was awaiting the full trial, but was not expected expecting, like he had in the letter to the Philippians in his earlier imprisonment, he was not expecting to be acquitted. Death appeared to him to be inevitable. And so he sends this letter, perhaps with a man named Tychicus, to Ephesus, and he's writing to his young friend. And one of the things I love about this letter is how personal it is. It's incredibly, intensely personal. Whatever view you've had of the Apostle Paul, he opens his heart wide as he comes to the last days of his life. Tradition records that a few months after this letter was written, the last letter that Paul wrote that we still have, he was beheaded on the Ostian Way by Nero, the madman of emperor that he was. Some of you know he went insane. He burned Rome, many believe, so he could expand his own palace and his own property, but then he turned around and blamed it on the Christians. And that's when much of the persecution was going on. And Paul writes that it's not only tough here in Rome, but I know it's tough in Ephesus. See, Paul knew that Timothy, while he was leading the church at Ephesus, many false teachers had come in. People were watering down the truth. They were no longer holding up Jesus Christ the same way. Timothy had his hands full. And now his mentor is telling him it's about time for him to leave. Wow. Times of testing. And what I want us to see here is that before dying, if you're following along, Paul reassures and challenges Timothy. Before dying, Paul reassures and challenges Timothy. That's what this letter is going to be full of. This isn't for the faint of heart. This is actually, come on, you and I can do this. Jesus Christ 
can help us do this. And so we talked about times of testing. And friends, I, I don't say that to scare anyone. I'm not trying to be morbid. I don't know how that may come. I don't know if it'll come in our lifetime. I don't know if it'll come in different ways, different circumstances. But I did mention this last week, and some of you know this even better than I do, is I'm sensing more than ever that the covering that conservative Christians in the United States have enjoyed for many years now is coming off. We didn't deserve that privilege. We didn't earn that privilege. It was one that by God's grace he's let us experience but you've seen it, haven't you? Now it's not just something, well, that's good for you if you believe in Jesus and you believe the Bible is true. Now it's, I believe that's regressive, dangerous. That's not something that we want other people to be taught. And there's just more of a hostility. There's more, there's something up. There's a tension that we're sensing. And so we just need to be ready for that. Are we going to be true to the Lord, even if it costs us? And so this book helps prepare us for that. So if you're following along, in preparing for times of testing, what I hope you'll see is that just as Jesus told the parable of the soils, it's also true what we'll see here in 2 Timothy, that some will fall away, but some will endure. Some will fall away, and some will endure. Now, I know some of you are here, you're supporting people in baptism. You may not be a follower of Christ yet, so you may be going, wow, what a day to visit. And I know that, and just, what I want you to know is this. The Lord knows exactly where you are, and he cares about you. And we're so glad you're here. And if we can be the kind of church that's encouraging to you in your spiritual search, if we can be helpful, we want to do that. But here's what we sense God wants us to be learning these next few weeks, these next 10 weeks. We're going to be looking at this letter. And so the word endure, you'll notice this is the next line of the notes, means to continue to remain firm without giving up. It means to continue and remain firm without giving up. That means it doesn't just mean gritting our teeth, you know, oh, endure it. Okay, that's not what it means. It has much more of a, I'm going to face it. If you look up here at the banners, you'll see that the words underneath it are remain, abide, press on, continue, persist, persevere. This is some of the words, the ideas that come out in this letter. Now, again, if you look out to the right, you'll see 2 Timothy 2, verses 10 and 12, chapter 3, verse 11. And if you want to add verse 12 to chapter 3, that uses the word endurance. But chapter 4, verse 5, either has the word endure or endured. And the idea here is that this is a big, big theme, that you and I are called to endure with Christ. But here's the hope, if you're following along that we don't need to fear or be timid. Listen to me, because he'll provide. He'll provide. He's given us everything we need to be equipped and ready. The question is, will we take advantage of what he's offering? Will we trust him? Now, I told you that I wanted you to keep your Bible open because some of you are going, Jeff, was that just a little exercise of opening my Bible when we actually read most of it off the notes? Here's what I want you to see. If you turn to chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Steve's going to teach on this in a few weeks. But here's what I want you to see. In fact, I'll start in verse 12. It talks about how the Lord rescued him from every persecution that he faced and endured. He said, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
Verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. I don't know what you believe about the Bible. Listen to this. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you and I will stay humble and will let God's word go deeply into us, he will begin to ground us and root us in him and prepare us for whatever may come. And we'll be able to flourish instead of wither. And that's powerful, isn't it? So before we actually have uh, the people come out and read, we're going to sing a song in just a moment called Speak, O Lord. But I want to tell you something that happened to me that reminds me. Somebody may say, like, why, like, why is it so important for us to like, read the scripture? Well, look at this verse from Romans 10, if you would, and I just ask you to read it with me. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And what we want to do is we want to be people that as we hear God's word and take it more into us, that it will build faith in us. It'll build trust in him. And also, here's another verse that I want to just show you that comes from 1 Timothy. Let's read this together. He wrote this. Paul wrote this to Timothy. Sorry, I asked you to read and then I interrupted. Here we go. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Why did he want him to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture? You know when that verse became meaningful to me? I was in seminary. I, I, over a period of several years, I went to seminary. And for a time, I went up to Lincoln Christian Seminary. And in those days, I, I signed up for a class where we would study a couple of the New Testament letters in the original Greek language. I was looking forward to kind of seeing what those actual words were and how we've translated them in English. So I got ready for this class, and I thought, oh, man, I need to have my Greek New Testament ready. And to be honest with you, I think I was getting a little big for my britches because I think I thought, you know, wow, man, I'm studying in Greek. The Lord just humbled me because the professor that day is now in heaven. He said, before we study it in Greek, I want you to hear it in English. And I want you to get in a circle, and I want you to listen as I read, and I'm just going to read one chapter at a time, then we'll stop. And I'll ask you, what did you hear? What stood out? And by the time I left class that morning, I knew why Paul said, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Because God's Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Friends, Here's what I want to ask you to do. When they come up and read, I want to ask you to give your very best attention. You know, here's what happened. In the early, when this was first written, the early Christians, they didn't get their own copy. We have all of our own copies. We take it for granted. They knew that what they took home that day was only what they gave themselves to hear. So they had to raise their attention and their listening skills more than we've had to in our culture. But this is something we can all grow in. So give your very best attention and be considerate of other people around you. If you need to step out, that's okay. But just make sure other people can have the best shot. And then at the bottom of the notes here, do you see this? There's a space for you to write there. And I want you just to close your Bibles. How's that? That sounds kind of countercultural, doesn't it? Close your Bibles so you can actually listen and have this, the notes ready so you can just write a word or a phrase that stands out to you while you're listening, okay? 
And before we do that, now we're going to listen to this prayer that Sarah's going to sing. These words are beautiful. Feel free to sing along or if you just want to listen. But let's make them our prayer. Speak, O Lord.
apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join Join with with me me in suffering suffering for for the the gospel. gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this This is is no no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you have heard from me Keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. You then, my son, be be strong strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This This is is my my gospel. gospel. 
for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Keep reminding people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's God's solid foundation stands firm. Sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee from evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. But mark this. There There will will be be terrible times times in the last days. days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Without love. Unforgiving. Slanderous. Without self-control. Brutal. Not lovers of the good. Treacherous. Rash. Conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janes and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers opposed the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected, 
but they will not get very far because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone Everyone who wants to live live a godly godly life in Christ Jesus Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But But as as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge— Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct. Rebuke. And encourage. With great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you... Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I I have have kept the faith. faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I send Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metalworker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Achilla and the household of Anisiphorus. 
Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. This This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. I want to pray for you before we go. Here's, here's Here's the big idea. If we want to be prepared for times of testing, we cannot do that apart from God's word. We need what he says. We need his wisdom. So not only have we heard his word today, in the life groups this week, we're going to challenge you to read his word aloud together as a group and hear it. I've been reading this letter over and over and over and over. I read it a lot of times out loud in my house or in my office and just I want to hear it. I don't know how you might do that. Some of you say, I don't even know if I believe the Bible. I don't even, it's a hard book for me to understand. Tell God that. Ask God to open your eyes. That's what I've had to do many times. And, he, and see where it goes. But I want to pray for you now, okay? Now, Lord, all of us are shallow, believer and unbeliever alike. But we thank you that in Jesus Christ and through your word, we can know a kind of anchoring, a kind of rootedness, a kind of groundedness that's like no other. So I pray this week, give us a hunger, give us a humility for you and your word. And everyone agreed and said, amen. God bless you.